So I think like the idea of waste really speaks to the conversation we were having about value. We want to eliminate waste as a thing that is disposable. We want to eliminate the concept of disposability really. And what that really means is we want to move closer to a circular economy model. So the circular economy model moves away from that one-way take-make-waste economy that we're used to and instead focuses on how we can make a system regenerative. You're listening to The Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. So, Mom, I know that you're super excited about this interview today. This was one that had been on our list for a really long time. So can you tell us about, as an intro to the intro of our guest today, sort of your own experience with TerraCycle and how you found out about it and what it's been like for you? And then we can get into the conversation with our guest. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, since I've been on this journey of lower waste, trying to eliminate things from my life that I don't need and that are harmful to the planet and the soil and our bodies, all those things, I have become more and more sensitive to things that have nowhere to go. And almost to the point where it just really, really bothers me. And we're pretty conscientious about recycling in our house. I think I think I can safely say very conscientious about recycling. Over the years, we've become better and better at it. So we are talking about recycling today. But what I'm talking about right now is my own feelings about encountering so many things that there just wasn't anything else to do with it except throw away. And believe me, I've collected my share of yoga containers to plant seeds and the, the things to use as storage for art supplies or whatever. I mean, I've done so much of that. And that gets to the point where you're taken over by this stuff and you get to the place where, you know, you really need to do something with it. So years ago, when I was taking things over to the church rummage sale, I encountered my first TerraCycle Zero Waste Box. And when I learned that they take everything, I was so excited. Gosh, someone actually does this. Someone takes all of your minutia that you can't recycle and that you don't want to throw in the trash can and they figure out what to do with it. Now, I say they take everything, almost everything. There are a few exceptions, you know, like flammables and there's a few things. This is my own story. I'll be standing there holding something in my hand and actually, and I don't mean to over-dramatize, but I think it's really true. It's painful. It's painful to have to make the decision of keep it, find a place that I use for it or putting it in a landfill. And I'm also trying to declutter. So, oh my gosh, 
So enter TerraCycle. It's an amazing company using incredible technologies and research and development and even manufacturing. Yeah, they make things out of yeah. these otherwise homeless products. So pretty excited about the company. We finally got our own zero waste boxes not quite a year ago. And it's been really such a relief. How's that worked? Have you like filled them up and then you ship them back or something? You fill them up and you can fill them way up as cardboard box so you can, you know, you think they're full, but you can get more and more in it. And then when you feel like it's it's really time for it to go, you ship it off. So the discussion today is with Mary Ellen Dowd. She's a communications associate at TerraCycle. And they are international leaders in innovative sustainability solutions. And they have created and are operating first of their kind platforms in recycling, recycled materials, reuse. TerraCycle is in 21 countries currently, and they're on a mission to rethink waste and develop practical solutions for today's complex waste challenges. You can get the zero waste box for your house. But maybe you are high up a company or maybe you even just work at a company and you notice that there's maybe a recycling bin in the break room, but no one knows the difference and it's just a bunch of trash that goes away. Anyways, yeah, this is something you should know about and to tell the people that have control over the waste systems at your school or place of work that this is an option. It's the perfect thing for like the church hall or mm -hmm. the teacher break room, your clubhouse, places where people come and they have their snacks, their single use cups that they just brought in from Starbucks or, you know, their straws, any number of things that normally would go straight into the trash. And yeah, you could get together with a group of neighbors mm -hmm. or, you know, like you said, a community center. Actually, somebody in our Almanac community just posted that their apartment complex had discontinued recycling and they were out somewhere where it was really far to go to a facility. And she said, what can we do? And I was able to say, hey, maybe people can pitch in and have a zero waste box there in your apartment building. And there you go. Awesome. Super excited about the company and what they're doing and really happy to introduce our listeners to them. And thanks, Mary Ellen, for coming on and chatting with us. We hope you enjoy this conversation and let us know what you think. You can always call into the voicemail line. The number is in the show notes. But particularly, we would like to put a call out for a review if you're enjoying this show, if you if you learned something from this episode or any of our episodes, please leave a review, rate, rate and review. It's easy to do on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find our show and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate you so much and we hope that you enjoy this conversation with Mary Ellen Dowd from TerraCycle. Enjoy. My name is Mary Ellen Dowd. I've been working for TerraCycle for, we're going on two years at this point, about a year and a half. And how I came to this position, undergraduate, I studied journalism and media studies. I was super interested in nonprofit work or admission-driven work. I had curiosities about environmental issues and like things that we can do to help because Obviously, there's a lot of media buzz about climate change and all these things, and I feel like a lot of it was very, like, hopeless or helpless. So I was always curious to know, like, what are the real solutions? And that kind of led me to this opportunity at TerraCycle. So that's a bit about me. And what is your role at TerraCycle? And what is TerraCycle? So my role at TerraCycle is I'm a communications associate or a publicist. So we mainly communicate things that the company is doing, talking to media, 
taking opportunities like this. And it's a really interesting and cool job because we're spreading messages about the cool things that our company is doing. And to introduce TerraCycle, I see you have already a little bit of background on this, but yeah, we're a company interested in eliminating the idea of waste. And there's a lot that goes into it. I see that you have some questions about what that means, but mainly it means just kind of like changing consumer behavior. And we understand that recycling isn't on most people's minds. We have a lot going on. We're all wrapped up in our convenience. So TerraCycle really sets out to make recycling solutions as accessible as possible to the average person. So tell us, you'll, of course, you'll be Speaking to the choir here, to Emma and I, because you know I have the TerraCycle boxes, and I've been following TerraCycle for quite a while because I think it's really a unique company. But tell our audience what it is and what you do, and about the TerraCycle boxes and how you help take recycling up to that next level. Sure. So I'm assuming you're talking about our zero waste boxes. So that's yes. one of yeah, that's one of our lines of business. And our zero waste boxes are basically a paid solution to recycle things that you can't recycle curbside. This gives our consumer or the consumer in general an opportunity to recycle oh, pretty much anything from like coffee capsules to complex lab waste. So that's one of the things we do and how we create more solutions for what is recyclable. On top of that, we have our partnership, you call them partnership programs, we call them free recycling programs. Um, and these are sponsored by brands and retailers around the world. And it helps us again, recycle hard to recycle items for free because we have that sponsorship. This is also a cool way to recycle because you can earn recycling rewards points that can be redeemed to be given back to any nonprofit organization, which can be like an actual nonprofit organization, like mission driven or a school or a charity. So yeah, those are the ways we recycle. And to give a little context on that, I think that it's important to note that everything is recyclable. It really just comes down to profitability. So that's where we come in with our free recycling programs. Things aren't recyclable curbside because of an issue of profitability. So basically this entire process is governed by economics. There's solutions for all these things. But if it costs more to process the material than the material is worth, then your municipality isn't going to go out of their way to recycle that. And that brings up all these rules with like the blue bin and things like that. So we have that opportunity to recycle these items with our brand sponsorships. And with the zero waste boxes, the consumer pays for the box. So that also gives them the opportunity to recycle things that your municipality couldn't recycle. That is such a key point that I think our audience might not think about so much is that what you can and cannot recycle, what you can dispose of responsibly from your own household is governed by economics. I think that's just a really important point to make okay. because as you said, everything can be recycled, right? I mean, what about things that the synthetics, the things that the earth really does not digest, so to speak, for lack of a better word? How are those things recycled? What do you guys do with those things that come in the zero waste box? And I know that's a huge question because there's a million different items in those. I know because I have the zero waste box in my house. So, and I know what we put in there. We follow the little guidelines. You know, there are things you can't put in there like flammable things and so forth. But mm -hmm. what happens to all those items? And just give us an example of something that you would think that there wouldn't be a thing in the world to do with it, but you guys find a use. Sure. So I guess the easiest explanation would be when talking about 
like certain types of plastic. One of the most interesting programs we have to me is our Bosch and Lom contact program. So there's a program in the U.S. and also in Canada that I specifically deal with. And I think that's a really interesting process because that's a waste stream that people deal with every day, like the one-a-day contacts. And people don't realize that when they flush those down the toilet, like those are microplastics in our ocean or in waterways. And even when they're thrown in the trash, that ends up in landfill, which again results in microplastic. Like those lenses that you put on your eye are comprised of plastic. So to answer your question about what exactly happens with that, again, um, we're able to do this because we work with brands, retailers, and other stakeholders who fund these recycling processes. And we have in-house scientists and material application specialists who work out how, like, what to do with these materials, how to recycle them. Then we have a global network of processors to convert the items into raw material which is then sold to manufacturing companies who produce the end product. And to be even more specific, what really happens to this waste is it's collected, cleaned, sorted, then melted down and pelletized into hard plastic pellets. And then those pellets can be created into things like shipping pallets or park benches. There's a lot of different things that this waste will become. So... You mentioned your free recycling programs and your partnerships with big brands. Is that like when you go into a store and they're like, we'll recycle your all your things that you can't recycle at home? Is that what that is? Okay. The way that those free recycling programs work to get a little bit more specific in that is individuals and organizations can make an account with us at TerraCycle.com and then sign up for one of those free programs. And there are different ways those programs work depending. So you could download a free shipping label, which would mean you're mailing in your waste. But then there's also some programs that have drop-off locations that could be in your nearby community. And so maybe that's what you're referring to. We do have boxes in store in some places for certain waste streams. And all those locations can be found on our website, depending on the waste stream that's being collected. So we have program pages for each waste stream and each program. And you could see there if it's something that you would mail in or if it would have a public drop-off location option. Interesting. For example, I've looked at your free recycling page with your partners. So let's say, for instance, you buy a brand of dog food that has a package that normally you would have to throw in your trash can when it's empty. (laughs) If this company is signed into your free recycling program, then you have an option for sending that package back to TerraCycle. Is is that right? Yes. So depending on the program, so for your example, pet food packaging, we have a program with Royal Canin, which is a pet food provider. In this case, This program has both options. So you can either mail in your waste with a download free shipping label that would exist on our website. Mm -hmm. So you just sign up, download the label, put it in whatever packaging you have at home because we promote not creating more waste. So don't like buy a package, put it in an old box or something, send it in. The second option is you can go on our website, look at the map that exists on the program page and see where, what pet stores around me collect this waste or have a box in store. And then you could just go there and leave your waste and that store handles it. In the case of pet food packaging, we, we really have a lot of pet stores that collect that waste. 
For example, Bosch and Lom has a public drop-off program in Canada. That's the contact lenses. And a lot of those drop-off locations are in optometrists. There's like hundreds upon hundreds across Canada. So we try to stick with like storefronts or businesses that make sense with the waste stream that kind of like target the consumer. Essentially, there's two options for a lot of these programs. You can download the shipping label or visit a public drop-off location that's listed on our website. It really depends on the program. So I'll, I'll tell our listeners that you're, the, the number of companies that participate in this is pretty vast. I mean, there's a lot of companies, but yeah. there are a lot of products. So matching up your use with what you guys offer takes a pretty focused consumer to say, I'm going to buy this dog food because I can recycle you know, mm. the package. Right now, it seems like it's, if they happen to buy this product, and there's all kinds of what, there's all kinds of beauty products, cleaning products, so many. I guess the point I'm making is you guys offer that option for many, many products. And it's really impressive. And to my knowledge, nobody else is doing this. I don't know of any other company that goes in and really addresses these seemingly non-recyclable items of which there are billions and billions on the planet. And you guys say you'll take anything other than the obvious flammables and so forth. So tell us about how TerraCycle got going and tell us about the origins of it and how it's grown and changed over the years. Sure. So that's like a pretty interesting story. And I love talking about this. TerraCycle began years and years, well, not that many years ago, about 20 years ago, roughly. And it began as a dream of Tom Zaki, our now CEO. And when he came up with this idea, the original idea for the company, he was a college freshman at Princeton University with just a dream to become an entrepreneur. So how it started was it was incorporated in 2003 as a manufacturer of a simple organic fertilizer. The original process involved feeding leftovers from the Princeton University cafeteria to worms and then liquefying the resulting compost into a completely organic fertilizer. So this was the initial product, and it was packaged in used soda bottles collected from recycling bins. So this resulted in the world's first product made from and packaged entirely in waste. We no longer make that fertilizer, but that established the reputation of TerraCycle, and it's now an international leader in recycling the unrecyclable. So really, we stuck with those beginning ideas of just wanting to use waste? Like how can we rethink waste? Where's the value in waste? That's kind of the ideology that exists here today. That's fascinating. So I had an interesting conversation with someone who works in this realm a few months ago and we had just found you and I was talking about TerraCycle and she was like, yeah, TerraCycle is really cool. And I think similar to you, I had like just gotten out of college and had actually been doing some like internships with waste management and stuff. And she was like, there's a lot of money in trash. (laughs) It's so weird because no one thinks about it. She's like, there's these huge warehouses of trash everywhere. I guess it's interesting that you said it's all about economics. 
it's an industry that no one likes to think about, but it is so huge and so important. And so I guess my question is, is that sort of where TerraCycle fits in? They said there is an economic proposition here. We just have to create it. Yeah, I think that's that's a huge part of it. So this is something that is deemed not invaluable. Have, it's deemed having no value generally in our culture. And I think it's really important to find value in that because aside from the fact that it's profitable, that's kind of an afterthought, it's value that creates solutions. So if we can find the value in waste, we can find the solution for it and we could ensure that it's not sitting in landfills and polluting the earth, which is like the ultimate issue. Yeah. So I guess that goes back to your original comment where waste management can be super profitable unless there's all these things that you have to deal with that you don't know how to deal with them and they're taking up time and resources. So they're otherwise rejected or considered invaluable to your point. And TerraCycle is here to try to change that. Would that be correct? Mm -hmm. It's really rethinking the waste. Also, what strikes me as interesting is the idea of value and that you're talking about trash as a a thing that has no value, but the value here is removing it. That's huge value. And it doesn't have value within our economic system, but it has tremendous value in our culture and our journey as humans on earth. So at TerraCycle, you're kind of trying to flip that around and say, prove and demonstrate the value of removing all these things from the trash Mm -hmm. heap. So I think that's pretty revolutionary, yeah. actually, <laughs> where all these municipalities, if there's something that they can't make money off of or they can't pay for it for whatever reason, they just don't deal with it. That's why I've always been fascinated with TerraCycle. It says, we'll deal with it all. We'll find yeah. something. So I want to talk a little bit about your tagline or your motto, slogan, eliminating the idea of waste. So that's an interesting choice of words, especially in a culture that we rely so heavily on single use and disposable things. And I mean, every single day, it's very hard to avoid. We talk about that on here so much. And even with all of the goods that are emerging, like compostable items or biodegradable items, even those things have shades of nuance and meaning that you really have to be, you really have to dig deep to know what you're doing with all that stuff. You really have to research what you're doing with your waste. So Mm -hmm. for someone who's focused on it and cares about it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for me personally, because we talk about this all the time. And I think it's a big deal for a lot of people out there. So how is eliminating the idea of waste different from just eliminating waste? How do you guys come up with that choice of words? Let me tell you about what it's like to drift to sleep on a 100% natural wool pillow sourced from regenerative farms wrapped in a lovingly handmade organic cotton pillowcase. Oh wait, I can't. I think it's just something you're going to have to try for yourself. Holy Lamb Organics is proud to carry on a centuries-old tradition of making beautiful textile products by hand, combining heritage methods with pristine natural and organic materials and sustainable business practices. They bring a dedication to healthy living and the environment. Everything Holy Lamb does reflects their devotion to the planet and its inhabitants. From their supply chain to their manufacturing processes to their facilities management, Nothing happens without considering the environmental impact. 
Most importantly, they're also dedicated to fair labor practices, secure working conditions, diversity, and inclusion. From the farm to the mill to their partner manufacturers, everyone shares the same high ideals of a safe, respectful workplace and environmentally conscious methods. Making good products enables them to do good work. Every time we order something from Holy Lamb Organics, we're proud to support a small town made in America company. You can find Holy Lamb Organics in the Lady Farmer Marketplace. For additional marketplace discounts, you can join the Almanac, our member-supported community platform. Find Holy Lamb Organics products including pillows, sheets, natural wool comforters, and more in the bedding section of the Lady Farmer Marketplace at www.ladyfarmer.com. Sure. So I think it, like the idea of waste, I think that really speaks to the conversation we were having about value. So we want to eliminate waste as a thing that is disposable. We want to eliminate the concept of disposability, really. And what that really means is we want to move closer to a circular economy model. We recognize that recycling is is amazing. It's a great solution, but it's not the solution. It's not a silver bullet mm-hmm. because we're just like, as long as waste exists, we're going to face these issues of landfill and the terrible things that come with it. So the circular economy model moves away from that one-way take-make-waste economy that we're used to and instead focuses on how we can make a system regenerative by getting things to be recycled, to be made from recycled materials, and even better, to be reusable. That's really the end goal, reusability. And we know the biggest obstacle to shifting towards that circular economy is human nature itself. So as individual consumers, we're trained to value convenience and affordability naturally. It makes sense. That kind of brings me to the concept of loop. That's why we created loop, which is a different arm of our business. And that's to just to tackle the issue of disposability and single use in a way that's still accessible and convenient. And what does Loop do? So Loop is, again, the first ever circular shopping system, and it enables that consumer to shop for their favorite products in reusable and not disposable packaging. So this means that the platform shifts to a durable supply chain where manufacturers own their packaging in the long term. So with this sustainable approach to shopping, Loop customers shop for food, beauty, and personal care products, household goods, and other supplies, all in durable packaging, which ultimately can be returned, refilled, and then reused. So we like to call it like the modern milkman, right? So how did we get away from that culture of the milkman, where the milkman would come with glass bottles and you would give back your old bottles and they would be refilled? We're trying to get back to that culture and away from single use. So how's that different from the free recycling thing where you can send back the packages? Are those two separate things, Loop and free recycling? Yeah. So Loop makes the packaging to begin with different. It's more durable. It's reusable. It's something that you bring back to the store to be refilled. The recycling programs allow you to take existing packaging and send it into us to be recycled, but you don't see that again. It gets recycled into new items. I see. I see. With Loop, the packaging is reused oh, again. Oh my gosh. I'm on the website and it is herbal essences, Hagen dazs just in aluminum packaging. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Okay. I want to do Loop. So what do I do? So in theory, you would go to the store, purchase a kind of like an aluminum can 
is kind of how it looks of Haagen-Dazs ice cream. You bring that home, you eat your ice cream. Once that's empty, you clean it, bring it back to store, give it back, and then take a new one. And then those empties would be taken, sanitized, refilled by the whatever brand it's coming from, and then sold again. We'll loop back again to our discussion about how eliminating the idea of waste might be different from actually just eliminating waste. And while you were talking, Mary Ellen, I had kind of an aha moment. I, I got it. Eliminating waste puts the onus on the company or a higher level or other entities to take care of stuff. Because currently it's all the consumer's responsibility, which... yeah. Not to put judgment on that, it's not a good or a bad thing, but it's become, I think, too much of a problem for the consumer to deal with. Right. And the consumer, like I'm holding this thing in my hand. It happens to me every day. Like, oh, what do I do with this thing? It doesn't go in our county recycling. Oh, I have a TerraCycle box. I'll put it in here. So I have the solution through TerraCycle. But what you're talking about is a broader thing eliminating the idea of waste so that it's comprehensive. You don't have the consumer or companies worried about what to do with these things. The idea of waste is like a reality in our world and admittedly a tremendous reality. But if everything was circular, it was a completely circular economy and it was just the normal thing, where this goes, where that goes, you take the ice cream thing back to the the store, then waste is not a thing. So I get it. I get the choice of words there now. It's pretty pie in the sky. It's like what we talk about, you know, sustainable clothing, creating all transparent supply chains and creating textiles without the use of with chemicals and the dyes and so forth. So these are pretty high goals, but that doesn't mean that we don't think about them and imagine them and practice them and do what we can. And I think it's really impressive that your company is taking this on. I just actually love it. I've been fascinated with it for a while. (laughs) To add value to waste, I think is giving a bit of power to the consumer in this system. Yeah. It kind of brings me to one question that I noticed you guys had for me was, what does the good dirt mean to you? And I, I thought that was a really interesting question. And I, because I feel like it connects so closely to what we're talking about with waste and with value and with the circular economy. Because when we hear the word dirt, that's kind of like a negatively connotated word, right? It's kind of like, dirty, something that doesn't have much use, but in reality it does. Dirt is what allows for plants to grow, crops. That's such a vital part of our lives, of any life. And I think that could really be applied to waste. What is good waste and what makes waste good or bad? Nothing. All waste can be useful. We could find that that value and we could create solutions for it. Thank you. Yeah. You already answered our good dirt question. That's great. But So this is something that I'm really curious about with TerraCycle. I have a zero waste box. I have two, in fact, because I bought them when you had a big sale. (laughs) And I love it. And it's essential part of my household now. Awesome. But I do have to admit that it's expensive for the individual to buy that for their home. And sort of like what I was saying a little bit earlier, someone has to be really, really committed to controlling their waste 
to invest in that. It has to be a very conscious choice. Mm-hmm. How do you think the company could somehow make this more accessible to the individual, mm-hmm. make it more common? I would like to see everyone just, of course, everyone has a zero waste box. You have your municipal recycling, which you utilize responsibly. You know what they take, what they don't take. And you have your zero waste box. Is there a way that could be just something more people could have in their home? And maybe you don't know the answer to that. You're not in sales. You're in communications. But as a consumer, as a person who's really concerned with this issue, and as a person that really admires your company and everything you're doing, I just would like to talk about that a little bit. I realize that the zero waste boxes are sort of geared to companies and offices and things and people that might, you know, might be easier for them to place those. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. I think it is a great option for these zero waste boxes to be used by businesses, organizations. We have, in fact, scaled this to individuals, though. About half or a little over half of our zero waste box collectors are individuals. But we can assume that some of those individuals are collecting not only for themselves, but for their families, for their communities. So I think that's really a good way to approach it is to get together as a community. We see a lot of community organizations and community groups getting together and having that be a hub for their zero waste box And at the moment, that's probably the best solution I could think of. I like that. So you have kind of a co-op box. In theory. (laughs) For instance, I could reach out to several of my neighbors that I think might care enough to invest something in this. And everybody gives, say, like $50 or something to buy the large one. And then when they have stuff, they take it to the one person's house who has it and until it fills up. That's actually a good idea. I'm going to try that. Tell us about what happens when a person or an office or an organization fills up their zero waste box. So we have a download shipping label on our website, which would enable you to ship that. And that part comes with the the cost of the zero waste box as well. Oh, got it. So that's what you're paying for. That makes sense. Just to clarify for the listeners. So you purchase a zero waste box and you get, it's a cardboard box basically, and you fill it up. And then when it's full, you can't get any more in it. You download the shipping label and you send it back and all the shipping is included. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so that's part of the cost there. Yeah. So it's a really good system. And then what happens when you get it or when TerraCycle gets it? <laughs> yeah. What does that look like on the other end? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sure. So there, we have a very long process involved in this, which starts from like ideation, which I mentioned before with our in-house scientists and things like that. But speaking to when we collect those boxes, so that waste ends up in what we call MRFs, which are material recovering facilities. And they're basically, they arrive, they're checked in, and then eventually sorted and aggregated for kind of material composition so things that are plastic will go with plastic things that are aluminum will go with aluminum and then there's a cleaning process that happens and eventually depending on the type of waste that waste is then processed which usually involves shredding or crushing or melting depending on the material and that speaks to what I mentioned before with plastic. In the case of plastic, that plastic is will be pelletized. So little tiny like 
plastic pellets and that's what can be then reshaped into new product later on. So that brings me to my question about the microplastics. I liked that question. I'm excited to answer. How is TerraCycle addressing the microplastic pollution issue? So obviously all plastic that is disposed of in landfill or waterways can create microplastics in the ocean and again waterways in landfills which ends up in our soil and our ecosystems. So we're doing a lot to offset that by just kind of like collecting things that are traditionally unrecyclable. But one example I wanted to talk about are cigarette buds. So this is a program that I find really interesting because again, it's something that we don't really think of as kind of like a culture, uh, just tossing on the ground. You see cigarette butts littered everywhere. Mm -hmm. It actually accounts for 30 to 40% of all items collected in coastal and urban cleanups. And it is the most littered waste stream globally. And since cigarette filters take years to decompose, this pervasive form of plastic pollution leaches toxic chemicals like arsenic lead into the environment, polluting land and marine habitats while harming wildlife who mistake cigarette waste for food. And obviously also this is creating microplastic issues in the ocean and wherever these buds are landing. So the filters and cigarettes have plastic in them? Mm-hmm. They have microplastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with a a slew of other not good materials. But obviously, these cigarette buds do not fall into the accepted waste parameters at municipal facilities. And so they're either not collected or diverted to landfills. And so we've partnered to create not only our free recycling program for cigarettes, which is a mail-in program, as we discussed, we also have a cigarette zero waste box that the consumer can also purchase. So we have both a paid and free option for cigarette buds. And so the impact that we're having on that is undeniable with hundreds of millions of buds collected by TerraCycle, thanks to our collectors. That's crazy. That's a real, one really interesting thing that we yeah, do. Yeah, I had no idea that cigarette filters had mad plastic in them, aside from all of the other stuff. It's surprising to me too that it, it's such a huge problem with so many less yeah. people smoked out nowadays than they did 30 years ago. So that that's surprising. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. What an amazing revelation that mm-hmm. is. So Mary Ellen, what do you see as TerraCycle's biggest advances towards their goals? Sounds like you all are doing a whole lot. Company-wide, what do you think is the feeling that you, where you're making the most progress? TerraCycle is a company that's growing each day. And I think with every new partnership and every new program, we get closer to our goals because that main goal is to, again, eliminate the idea of waste and eventually create a circular economy. So each step that we take is a bit closer to that. For example, TerraCycle's recycling models outperform municipal waste management options by an average of 45% across eight key impact categories. That includes global warming potential, human carcinogenic toxicity, and fossil resource scarcity, primarily by avoiding the extraction of virgin material for new product development. So that's a key component. The creation of loop is brings us closer to our goal to promote the circular economy and reuse so yeah there's a every day we're progressing and doing more and it's just all a step in the right direction again i'll i'll circle back to that eliminating the idea of waste 
versus just eliminating waste. I think that's an important nuance because it involves everybody. Again, I'll just repeat what I said. That involves everybody being conscious of it and everybody making decisions and companies taking the steps to make it possible for consumers to cooperate in eliminating the idea of waste and creating a circular economy, but also the consumer has to embrace the choices. So it's it's a cooperative thing, and that is part of the circular economy, all levels being willing to participate in the solutions. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to the consumer who might not have access to a TerraCycle box or it's out of reach for them at the moment to interact with the company TerraCycle in a way. What are some action items that they can do to work on being closer to eliminating waste or eliminating their idea of waste? Or is there anything, any actions they can take to get a TerraCycle box in their community? What would you recommend for someone who wants to participate, but it's inaccessible at the moment? Sure. I think there are plenty of ways to engage in this entire process. So for example, just educating yourself on what is recyclable because recycling municipally can be so misleading. So going on your municipality's website and seeing what exactly do they recycle? To what extent do I need to clean my plastic, separate my recyclable waste in order to make sure those things are recycled? Because there are so many ways to contaminate and destroy a batch of recyclable products when using the blue bin and putting it curbside. So that's one step. Also, I think the main thing is really reuse. Try to get away from buying plastic water bottles, invest in any type of durable water bottle that you can refill, things like that. A lot of people have been moving towards carrying reusable utensils, things like that. Just very small steps in your daily life can make a big difference. Even cutting down on packaging is a really big thing, but... I mean, I recognize that everybody has a lot going on in their lives. So really any small step that you can take can make a difference. Awesome. I think it's really interesting what you said that TerraCycle outperforms the municipal recycling systems by, did you say 45%? Mm -hmm. 45? Yes. By 45%. So that probably has to do a lot with what you were just describing as consumers being not fully aware of the capacity of their mm-hmm. municipal recycling mm-hmm. systems. So again, just to emphasize what you said, for someone that does not have access to a zero waste box, either in their home or in the community or their workplace, that's a really important step to pay attention to what's going on in municipality and to do it correctly. I think that's that's huge because to your point, people doing it, making mistakes, putting things in there that don't belong, creates a lot of waste outside of what's even just coming from their household because it contaminates large batches. Yes. That's actually a a big thing to bring the people's awareness. It's really about education because we talk a lot about this whole process of wish cycling. So wish cycling is kind of like throwing things in the recycling bin and just hoping that it's recyclable. And that is kind of like what creates a lot of issues in our traditional recycling system, I would say. Again, speaking back to the economics of everything. There are unfortunately a lot of rules that go into recycling things curbside. And in order to participate, I think it's really important to just like know 
to educate yourself on those rules so that you can make the most of what's available. Absolutely. So is there anything else that you would like to leave with our audience or that you want people to understand about the work that TerraCycle does? Sure. Yeah. I think what I would really like for people to understand is that, is again, to emphasize this like governance of economics that that goes into recycling. I think it's really important that culturally as a community, as a society, we understand that virtually everything can be either recycled or reused. So I think that's a really important thing to know because I think we've been conditioned to think that there are very specific things that are able to be recycled, that there's no possibility for those other things. But I think education around that, that yes, we can recycle anything. We just have to find a way to make it work. That's really important. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's really important. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. We're so accustomed to our disposable things in our life that we don't even think they're things to do with the waste. or We can't even imagine how all these things can be reused and not just thrown away. So mm-hmm. thank you. Really, really valid point. I was curious about all the, the different technologies that you have going on there at TerraCycle. Are those able to be scaled to keep pace with just the massive production of unrecyclable materials going on every day? I mean, it's so huge. It's so vast. And of course, TerraCycle is doing their part. Is the hope that other companies would take on some of these same technologies or that you would just grow bigger and bigger? What is the thought on that? I mean, sure. you're still only addressing like a fraction of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Sure. So scale is obviously critical to our mission. We're all about trying to solve as much disposable packaging as possible. So the bigger we can get the absolute better. There's a lot of failings in the domestic and international recycling systems, which meet current challenges. So realistically, there's no silver bullet. And we always will believe that solutions should incorporate reducing consumption, investing in reusable packaging technology, and when materials can no longer be used, recycling. But to kind of speak to scale in the past, we have scaled to compensate for advances in technology and changes in consumer behavior. And a great example of that is at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, a study found that 3.4 billion face masks were disposed of each day globally. Mm, Yeah. So that was a big change. There was not obviously that volume of waste before the pandemic. Right. We've recycled over 110 tons of personal protective equipment at TerraCycle since the beginning of the pandemic. And this is interesting because for many years we offered personal protective equipment recycling for facilities and other industrial locations, but never to this volume. So we revised the system to cater to a broader demand of PPE recycling, and that's what we have intact today. So it's definitely possible to scale and to compensate for those advances in technology and changes in consumer behavior. And we have done it. There's always going to be obstacles and we're always going to be trying our best to be bigger and better. That's fascinating. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure talking to you. Of course, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in, calling in and spreading the good dirt. We love hearing from you. 
You can reach our listener voicemail at 443-459-1950. That's 443-459-1950. You can find this number in our show notes and in our Instagram profile. This show is produced by Lady Farmer, a slow living lifestyle community. And the original music is composed and performed by John Kingsley. For more from Lady Farmer, follow us on Instagram at WeAreLadyFarmer. That's WeAreLadyFarmer. Or join us online at www.ladyfarmer.com. We'll see you next time on The Good Dirt. Goodbye. Goodbye.